Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is available for free in iTunes. Please take a minute and subscribe so you're always up to date. You can also listen at thejazzsession.com. In addition to episodes of the show, thejazzsession.com features written interviews, live jazz news, and lots of jazz links, including to the Jazz Session's cause of the month. This month, it's Tipitina's Foundation. Please click the link and give them some cash. Thank you very much. This week's guest is Norwegian pianist Tord Gustafsson. His trio has a new album called Being There on ECM Records. It opens with At Home. My guest is Tord Gustafsson. He and his trio have a new album called Being There. It's on ECM Records. It's the third in a trilogy, and it's my pleasure to welcome Tord to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Let's uh, let's start right off talking about the the three album set that this is the third of. Why why did it take three records to get across the ideas that you had for this series? Oh well, it's it's definitely not something we set out to do or or um, uh, an intended tri- trilogy. It's more the feeling I got after recording the third one that that the albums were somehow connected not only by the fact that it's the same lineup, the same three people playing, but also it's kind of a feeling that there is um, a 
both both a clear development and also a clear link between between the three albums. It's like we're uh, exploring a mode of playing together from from uh, several different but yet linked angles. And what is that mode of playing together? What is it a, a particular stylistic idea? Yeah, well, well, if you could, if you could uh, really uh, to the full extent explain it, then it would not have to be played. So, so obviously there are lots of things here that cannot really be explained. But still, I would would think it's fair to say that that our mode of playing together has a lot to do with a, a radical kind of, of, of listening more than you play, so to speak. It's about tuning into the really uh, the power of the small details and to the power of, of lyricism in, in contemporary um, music making. It's, it's definitely a, um, a way of playing where freedom is is a key word, but it's just um, the key word of, of, of adher- adherence to melody is just as fundamental, and it's about balancing these things, this romanticism, if you like, with, with the, the urge to say something that really matters here and now. And, um, well, we still keep evolving so, so, and, and still keep finding new shades of, of this in, in our lives concerts also so so making a trilogy of albums is, is certainly not the end of it either you said that uh part of this is about trying to play what you'd actually like to hear rather than what you ought to play are there a lot of those kind of constrictions in jazz playing times when you think oh, this is this is the convention i should use here mm-hmm. well um yeah there is but um both conventions in terms of, of, of stylistic idioms and in terms of, of uh, the burden, so to speak, of your own practicing. When you, when you know your instrument, when you practice all the different um, vehicles that you've um, taken from, from the history of, of your music and from, from the good teachers of your instrument, then certainly you have a palette of, of things to use and, and certainly these things you know you have to study and you have to develop your repertoire but still just as much as it is a blessing and uh, and a good palette to use it is also a, a, a danger and a burden because it's so easy to go ahead and use whatever you you can fit into any given musical whole um, when you have lots of stuff to to fill these spaces with, and for many jazz musicians, choosing not to play is is more difficult than choosing to play, and 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 uh, choosing you know the careful selection of of rather a few elements and giving these elements the maximum emotional and musical weight instead of, of of just filling up every space with um, more or less appropriate um, musical musical uh, maneuvers all the time. 
this album is completely original composition, almost all by you, but uh, I'm wondering if these ideas are more difficult to apply to things that would be considered jazz standards because of the kind of preconceptions about how those tunes sound or what you do over their changes. Um, in one way, yes, because the, the, uh, the danger of slipping into uh, a kind of playing the history without necessarily filling it with presence is perhaps even greater uh, on standards. But still, um, if you play tunes that more people know from before, then they will also um, more easily uh, grasp the, um, the uniqueness of, of an interpretation. So, um, so in that sense, small, small um, divinances from a standard way of playing a standard will be recognized as, as such. Um, so, um, well, it's in, in one way, finding your own approach to a standard is even more difficult, but in another way, it's, it's also something that is very rewarding and something that invokes the the shared universe of jazz musicians and, and, and jazz listeners in a special way that makes it sometimes um, a very fulfilling thing to do. Who are the other members of your trio, and how did you come together? The two members are Harold Johnson, or Harald Jumsen, as we say in Norway, on, on the bass, and Jarle Vespestad on drums. And um, we met um, quite a few years back when we were all students at the Conservatory of Music in Trondheim, which is uh, the third largest city in Norway. We didn't really start playing together then, but we, we knew each other from back then. And then we got together in Oslo, where we all live now, um, five years ago. And, and I wanted to to... Uh, see where it could go getting just these three people together and and you know the whole trio developed from this feeling we got when we started playing that um, there was something there there is a sound there is a um, there is a potential for for reaching spaces in music that we can not reach elsewhere um, and and these experiences of, of of sometimes the music growing by playing less, and the less you play, the more the music grows. <clears throat> and, uh, and those fundamental experiences in the beginning will just uh, mark the the start of our journey together. And we recorded the first album a year and a half later.
it sounds like there's a remarkable need for trust in this style in which you're playing. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, well, life in general is about trusting the universe enough to dare to live, um, and so it's 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 mainly just another aspect of of that. But but to be more specific, it's it's certainly about trusting each other and trusting the the musical organism to uh, keep breathing, even though if if your particular part of the organism uh, stops for a while. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, but also to trust the simplicity. Um, you know, the minute you start doubting what you're playing or doubting the the melody you're trying to be uh, to be a servant of, then there's very great risk of of overplaying or of 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 things falling apart. So it's very much about trusting the basic idea and daring to stay there and daring to go with what you actually uh, feel is the strongest realms of, of music. We're having a, a pretty serious conversation, but I'm hoping this is fun too, right? Yeah, it is. It's it's fun. Sometimes there is even some 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 humor in our concerts, but but more fundamental than than fun in that sense is the uplifting spirit. Uh, our, our music is sometimes said to be melancholy, and that's that's true to some extent. But to me, it's just as much um, uplifting in the sense that it it. Uh, reaches for a kind of of bare naked honesty where you meet the the, the essence of of uh, relating to to your emotions and and you can you can get to places of of release and of consolation through being honest. Uh, with your feelings, and that is true, of course, in in therapy and in and in the conversation you you have in a close relationship. But it's just as much true in music, and uh, and when the um, when the uh, things happen in, in our music, when when we engage in our dialogue and are stunned by uh, the gestures. That that are that are made by by the drums, for example. I I can every night I have a new way of of uh, being impressed by how how Yarla at the drums can really meet this music and comment on what I do and provide his uh, unique combination of groove and and minimalism and sensualism also, and all these things are really. Um, ma- making up a very uh, warm environment, and, and to me that is definitely uh, the kind of fun I really want to have with music.
is this something that the three of you spend time discussing, or is it just something that has happened on stage as you've evolved as a trio? Hmm. Well, both, actually, but um, I would say it's been more a process of just evolving musically, but sure, we do also have um, conversations and, and, and discussions, and, and sometimes we we really don't see uh, see issues the same way, and and the music also develops through through uh, daring to to disagree and to uh, and to have different opinions as to to how how to move on. But for the most part, it has been I would say an, an organic kind of growing together from playing live and from doing recordings. When did you start playing the piano, Tori? <clears throat> well, I started really early with my father playing the piano a lot when I was when I was little, and, uh, and and just sitting on his knee and improvising stuff and making up stories with music to them. That's that's really how I starting how I started getting into music as as a field of play and as um as uh oh as a way of expressing myself so to speak uh, and then at later stages i also took lessons classical piano lessons and at even later stage jazz lessons at the conservatory but but this uh, way way of starting off from playing with music and from composing pieces and improvising before learning how to read music. It's definitely uh, a key element um, in, in how, how I became, became the person I am and also the musician I am. Why did, your, why did that happen, I guess? What, what environment did your father create that allowed that to happen? Uh, quite simply, um, playing songs that he liked and and using his um, his own musical preferences to to make up children's songs with me, um, just a way of of playing together and and of using what was around us the the classical music he knew and had played and the hymns and the spirituals that were important important parts of um, both church life and also life at home and and also the, the, the lullabies of the Scandinavian tradition that were sung by many people and also in, in our home. You mentioned church life. This album seems to be suffused with uh, kind of hymn or hymn-like pieces of music. Has the church been an important part of your musical experience? Yeah, um, it, it definitely has in in providing both um, a reservoir of, of good m- melodies and of of of, uh, of harmonic and and uh, melodic building blocks and foundations from hymns and gospels. And it has been a part, an important part of my musical upbringing by providing also um, an environment for uh, for playing. Um, 
down, playing with choirs and playing to uh, to, to congregations singing, uh, and both were important parts of of, uh, of of regular life for me in in later childhood and and in my teens. So. Yeah, it has it has been vital part of it, along then with playing classical music and along with checking out world music from all over the world. But these things actually came a little later. I don't know much about, I don't know anything about religion in Norway, but when I hear a tune like Still There, uh, I'm hearing a, a gospel feel that I'm finding a little bit surprising. Is that is that something organic to your upbringing or something from your influences outside of Norway? Uh, it's it's quite organic to my, my upbringing, or at least to my early early teens. We listened a lot to... To, uh, to American gospel music and to the old uh, spirituals back then and used them a lot uh, in, in churches also in Norway. So it's, it's like the combination of this, this really Americanized influence in church music here combined with the, the European traditions of, of, of hymns and also of the folk music from, from Scandinavia together build some kind of um, weird uh, yet solid foundation. Uh, whenever I get in touch with that foundation, I feel that this is, this is um, a firm ground on which to, to explore further and, and, and to bring uh, esoteric creativity in, in dialogue with the strong sensual foundations of, of these kinds of music really uh, gets gets creativity and gets gets musicality flowing. On this album, most of the tunes are quite short. I don't think there's any that's longer than about six and a half minutes, and there's several that are less than three. When you approach this material in concert, do you are you as concise, or does it have kind of more room to to grow and uh, adapt on stage. Mm. Well, in in principle the the freedom to to play versions of the tunes uh is is total uh and that results in pieces sometimes being played just as short interludes or as statements of um a, a melodic idea than resulting in them being really short but there is also the 
the freedom to to go on and and really extend into um, into soloing or into collective building of grooves and of of just taking advantage of uh, a certain timbre or a certain uh, a certain uh, quality of of colors that were there, say, in an introduction and making a whole new piece out of that. So in concert, anything can happen, and and in most concerts also, most of the things do happen, ranging from very short to 20-minute to versions of, of, of tunes. Given that these tunes aren't... Uh or maybe a better way to say is, given how contemplative a lot of this music is, how much does the audience affect what you play on any given night? <clears throat> well, the audience certainly will affect how we play, um, in, uh, be it through conscious or subconscious channels. Um, the response you get will... will uh, will bring about different ways of, of moving on, different ways of uh, responding to what's already been there in the concert. But most all, all our concerts start off in a quite uh, contemplative mood and build from there and and uh, the general shape of, of our concerts Will, will normally be one of building slowly and of also breathing out slowly and, and having dynamics and having uh, double or, or, or triple meters just juxtaposed on top of very slow basic tempos instead of alternating between up-tempo and ballad pieces, which is a more conventional jazz way of playing it's 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 far more like a service or, or or a meditation in that we in that we really go from the mood of of the melodies and stay there and don't really move from them until we feel it's really time to do so what projects or or tours are coming up next for you um this fall we're heading for uh, a major UK tour in October, playing mostly chamber music venues over there, and we have um, a few concerts also in France and in uh, in uh, Holland and Belgium and Germany, and then there is a US tour in November, plus some more more things also in in Norway in the end of fall. But the US tour will will include the San Francisco Jazz Festival and also um, performances in, let's see if I can remember it, there's one in Knoxville, Tennessee, and there is one in um, Buffalo, New York, and there will probably be a couple of more ones also. And then we have the Portland Jazz Festival also in, and Vancouver over in, in 2008. Um yeah, and lots of more stuff coming too. So, so the touring schedule has been quite tight now over a period of 
three or four years, and it's still really rewarding to to keep playing this repertoire and to to evolve and develop it together. Well, Buffalo is about an hour down the road from where I'm talking to you right now. So, oh, really? Uh, that's great. I'm really happy to hear that. That means I'll get to see you. So. Fantastic. Perfect. Well, it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure for me to hear this album and to hear uh, your thoughts on it, and I thank you very much for taking some time to be on the jazz session today. Thanks for having me, and thanks for, for listening in to us. That's Tord Gustavsen and his trio from the album Being There. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is available for free in iTunes. Why don't you subscribe right now so you're always up to date with the latest episode? Of course, you can also listen at thejazzsession.com. 
where you'll find episodes of the show, plus written interviews, live jazz news, lots of jazz links, including to the Jazz Sessions Cause of the Month. This month, it's Tipitina's Foundation, helping to restore New Orleans' musical culture. Please click the link and give them some money. Thanks. For more interviews and reviews, you can visit allaboutjazz.com, the world's largest jazz website. You'll find my writing there beside that of many other jazz experts and fans. To contact me, you can send me an email to jason at thejazzsession.com or call the show at 585-473-5304. The Jazz Session mailing list is available at thejazzsession.com. When you join, you'll get periodic updates about the guests who appear on the show, plus some other news from My Little World. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.